Good morning and welcome. How's everyone doing today? This is Seeking Sustainability Live. I'm JJ Walsh, a sustainability-focused business and travel consultant in Hiroshima, Japan. In this episode, I have a chance to talk with Ruth and Shota, who have renovated an old van into a camper van, and they are traveling around all the 47 prefectures in Japan and enjoying slow travel, exploring rural areas, eating local foods, and also teleworking from their van. Shota, thanks you guys for joining. Thank thanks you. so much for having us. And sorry, sorry for turning up late to van life internet problems. <laughs> no, no problem. That is part of the conversation about how difficult is it? Because both of you guys work online. So of course you need Wi-Fi. You need electricity. These are things that you had to kind of work into your van life situation, right? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we have a whole solar setup on the roof and batteries for electricity. So yeah, we have everything we need um, to, to work online, which is good. But yeah, That's obviously awesome. internet problems happen at the worst time. So. <laughs> I want to I talk in more detail about that because of course my t talk show is focused on sustainability. And I think in so many ways, uh, what you guys are doing living out of a van, you're using a lot less energy, you're actually living more sustainably, even though you're driving around. So there's a lot of great issues to talk about in connection to sustainability. Also, you guys are visiting a lot of rural areas, spending time with local people, uh, spending money in local areas. So that's also very important for sustainable tourism. So I'm so excited to talk to you guys. Oh, Yay. <laughs> Before I continue, I'd love to give a shout out to all the wonderful sponsors of the Seeking Sustainability Live program. Thank you so much to all of you who have promoted the episodes, who have liked, who have commented, and who have donated to the Buy Me A Coffee page, or the Coffee page, or joined as a member on Patreon or YouTube. Your support really means a lot. Thank you so much. So tell us a little bit how this adventure started. Like, how did you guys decide, let's renovate a van and travel around Japan? Shota, you started your travel journey when you were 19 leaving Japan, is that right? Yeah, like, uh, actually I started when I was 19 and then that time I hated Japan. So I, I went to overseas to travel around maybe 10 years and stuff like this. But after 10 years, I realized I don't know anything about my country. So, right, like, why not uh, discover my country? And then uh, we, I saw a lot of people doing the van life all around the world. And then one of the, my dream I really wanted to do. And then, all right, why not we do uh, in Japan? So we started, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And where did you guys meet? Because it seems like maybe you guys met in England or the UK because Shota, you were traveling around the UK before you guys came back to Japan, right? Yes, we, we actually met in 2016 in the Philippines in a backpackers wow. hostel. Um, we were both traveling um, solo, backpacking the Philippines and we met in a hostel. Um, yeah. 
and then then you came to the UK after you yeah. met you met me yeah that's awesome. So how did this idea to not only travel around Japan for a year, but to travel around in a van? Like, where did that come from? Were you already fans of people doing van life around the world? Uh, recently in America, there's been a big movie about van life, right? Oh. And uh, so a lot of people are talking about it. I just saw it and it it makes it look like, of course, you can save money and a lot of people have to do it for necessity. Mm. Was it kind of an idea about saving money or being more frugal as you travel? Is that where it came from? So, so both really. Um, mm. We came, well, I came to Japan last year in January and we decided at that time, so this was all before the pandemic, um, we, we decided um, and we've been thinking about it for a while to do van life. But um, yeah, we, we considered, you know, renting an apartment in a city in Japan and what the living costs might be. And since we both worked online anyway, we didn't need to live in a city or in one specific place. Um, so we kind of weighed up the, the cost of both options. And we realized, actually, if we live in a van, we can also travel Japan at the same time, which is something we both wanted to do and um, also spend the same amount of money. So we just sort of went for that option. And um, yeah, here we are today. So. Yeah. Uh, thanks for joining Molly and Fides. Uh, Fides is asking what the name of the movie, I believe it was Nomadland. Was okay. it? We yeah. It's a big, it, won, it won the best movie of the year, I believe, in America. Right. Wow. Yeah. It's kind of depressing because it's like uh, she's retired and she realizes that uh, to be independent and to live on a very low income that yeah. she has to kind of move around job to job. She's working at Amazon. She's working in farms um, and she's living out of her van. Uh, one of one of the hardest things that I saw in, in that film is, of course, having to use the toilet inside the van. Now, you guys have decided not to have the toilet inside the van and to always park next to a toilet. Has that been possible while you're traveling around Japan? Yeah, I mean, Japan is the best place in terms of if you need the toilet. There's everywhere. toilets everywhere. <laughs> um, there's convenience stores, there's roadside stations, there's toilets randomly side of the road. So there's really no need to have a toilet in your van in Japan. Um, in other countries, I know it's different. We've done van life in the UK and in Ireland previously, and it's not always the case that you can find a toilet. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the renovations because you guys are very handy and you did so much of the remodel on your own. And probably since you renovated the van, you've learned a lot of things along the way. So can you walk us through like some of the renovations? It seems like you were rushing too because you wanted to start in good weather before it got <laughs> hot, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all the DIY kind of it was, you know, you're doing. Yeah. Uh, he's the handy one. I don't, I'm not going to take credit for the DIY. Um, but yeah, you want, do you want to talk about the DIY? <laughs> so I have no experience actually, but I just saw uh, some people doing on YouTube and then kind of like a copy and then kind of like I make my own uh, original idea also and then kind of mix together. Yeah, it looks like you guys uh, were doing a lot of research. You also had a lot of friends helping. So like in the picture here, Shota's mom was making the curtains for you. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she helped us so much with all the sewing and she made all the cushion covers and the things. And your friend's an electrician, so electrician, he, yeah. he helped us install like a 
electricity socket in the back of the van mm. too. And yeah, people were so were so kind to help us out and we just kind of worked yeah, made made our way through like all the different steps that we needed to do and researched online how to do it. And there's so much information on YouTube these days. So mm. if you want to learn how to insulate a van or how to make a cushion cover, um, you can just type that into YouTube and and learn how to do it from a basic YouTube video, which is, is so good, um, the knowledge available these days online. That's awesome. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about the costs? Like how much did you, because you got the van off of Yahoo Auction. So yeah. I've heard from so many people remodeling houses that actually Yahoo Auction is a great place to get big appliances or big countertops. Um, but you actually found a van. Did you get a good price? Yeah, so I think we paid in the end three thousand. So, but including tax. Yeah, so it was like three thousand five hundred US dollars, um, and that was including like the roadworthy test, the tax, all the. It was ready to go pretty much when we got it, and then we spent about the same during the renovation. Um, so in total, it came to around yeah seven thousand mm. US dollars to do the whole thing. Um, and yeah, we were pretty happy with that price. We didn't have a huge budget, um, to be honest, and the van we bought was old it's from 2006 so yeah it's not it's not the newest van um but it's been fine mm. we haven't had that many problems with it and we've been quite lucky with the, the engine so and then uh thanks for joining brett from the haps team and paul says looks awesome so jealous maybe time to get my driver's license <laughs> yeah. that's, that's something that ruth actually you started driving in japan for the first time on this trip is that right yeah, I'd never driven in Japan before. Um, and the first day I drove, I drove over a huge, massive um, bridge um, connecting connecting Awaji Island to Shikoku. Um, and yeah, we don't have any bridges like that so in the UK. And it was such a scary experience. <laughs> that was the first <laughs> drive, but it was so fun. Um, and now I'm so comfortable driving here. It's so safe and so easy and in Japan. Well, for um, you the same way, no? Same side, yeah, drive on the same side of the road. So it's not it's not too challenging and um, and everyone's quite safe haven't met anyone that's got road rage or <laughs> anything like that so yeah it's an easy country to drive in for sure yeah shota when you were traveling around the world did you drive in other countries as well yeah i drove in mexico and then spain and yeah at the place but i feel japan is more like a, not so many crazy driver yeah like <laughs> Yeah. Also, uh, speaking of uh, movies, there was another Netflix movie about a young couple traveling all the way from Canada all the way down to Mexico through America in like a converted school bus. Oh, wow. and that was that was really cool. But they had a dog and the dog actually got sick. And that was the reason they had to cancel their journey. Now, you guys don't have a dog, but you have your pet cactuses. How are your, <laughs> how are your cactuses doing? Are they still alive? Yeah. Well, it's gone, the, uh, the middle one's gone that you can see in the picture there. It, it passed away <laughs> about a year ago. Um, but we replaced it with a marimo, uh, which is yeah, a type of algae. It's getting bigger, you know. Oh, yeah, it's growing. It's <laughs> growing a lot. <laughs> That's great. And then let's talk about the design a little bit. So Shota, you had traveled in Costa Rica and mm. you said Costa Rica inspired the outside design of your van. Is that right? Yeah. And also inside also. Yeah. My imagination is Costa Rica is very blue sky and then another jungle. So that's how we make a design. No, actually, you made a design. 
I had imagination and I told her and then she just made it. Yeah, yeah. You, you've so done a great job. Tell us, tell us about the design, but also uh, like putting it all together. You guys were using a lot of different companies as well. Where did you get all your materials from? So the, a lot of the wood, we just got that from mm. home center. Um, and we yeah, got the wood from there. And then all the fabric, we got it from a local fabric shop near Shota's house. Um, and then a lot of the decorations um, we got from Ikea or like 100 yen stores in Japan. We kind of went around a few different places and just see, see what we could find that might suit the image that we had in our mind for the design. Um, and then, yeah, the cushions as well. Yeah, the cushion, the sponge came mm. from a Japanese company that do custom foam so you just um, tell them what measurements you want and then they can make the, the foam according to your dimensions which is really useful and then you can make your custom cushion covers so yeah it worked out like better than we expected mm. actually since we didn't really have much experience with DIY or design um, and yeah we've recently just sort of renovated the van a little bit again so it looks a little bit different we're about to do a van tour uh, on Shota's YouTube channel soon which will show the kind of redesign it's made it a bit more comfortable since we live in the van full time we wanted it to be a bit more comfortable in terms of the bed and things so yeah it's similar though mm. yeah <laughs> yeah that was what I was going to ask about as well like which things in the original design did you realize uh that's not actually working very well and then you changed and then what other things from the original design which have been amazing and you've been really happy and haven't had to change can you talk about that a little bit Sure, yeah, so the, the bed was definitely the biggest challenge. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's quite a small van and the bed uh, was quite small. Uh, as you can see on the left side, there was one cabinet there before where we stored a lot of our um, like laptops and bottles and things like that. So that's now gone and we've made the bed bigger. Um, just because we were staying the, the van full time, it was just much more comfortable to have a bigger bed. Um, so that's one thing we, we changed. But the kitchen has been really good actually. Mm. Um, we're really happy with the kitchen design. We have a kind of slide out cooking table mm. and water tank. And um, so being able to cook outside, that was definitely a great decision to, to have that. Um, because if you cook in the van, it can cause a lot of condensation and dampness and obviously cooking smells as well. So um, yeah, so having the, that kitchen was a really mm. good thing to make. We're really happy with that. Yeah, uh -oh. and of course, depending on the weather, but I saw some uh, photos where you also uh, maybe have a shade at the back of the car, so you can work outside the car sometimes as well as inside the car. Shota, I love your design of the bottom of the bed and the table. That's such great innovation. Good job. Thank you so much. <laughs> how, how did you figure that out? I don't know. Just just make it. Just uh, <laughs> I have an idea and then just all right, let's try and then yeah, I just yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Did you see that on YouTube or something? That's really impressive. No, actually, I didn't see. Like, I wanted to make like any shape. Like, uh, I don't know. Like, I uh, just make all oh, kind of. I got the idea from the YouTube and then I just try it and then yeah, just did it. That's awesome. I, I just found the photo. Let me see oh, yeah. if you can see it here. Yeah, the table, yeah. It's it's the under the underside of the table becomes the base for the bed. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. so it just yeah, drops down mm. and then sits on two pieces of wood and yeah, it turns into the bed. So multifunctional. <laughs> 
Very clever, very clever design. Um, let's talk about the the solar and the electricity mm -hmm. because both of you guys are working on your computers. You have a lot of devices. Shota, you're also using a lot of photography equipment. You have a drone as well. Um, so for you guys, electricity was really important. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, yeah. So um, originally we started with... Um, two solar panels on the top, which um, each solar panel is 100 watts. So we had 200 watts of solar panels. But you started for one? One. Oh, yeah, it yeah. was one. Yeah, 100 watts. But mm. we realized very quickly that wasn't enough. <laughs> so now we have um, 300 watts. So we have three 100 watt solar panels on the top. And then um, a lot of van vans, they have sort of a lithium battery where the engine can charge the, the battery. But we have these sort of two portable batteries from a company called EcoFlow, and these can be recharged by plugging them into normal um, sockets in the wall. You can also charge it from solar and also charge it when you're driving. And um, yeah, so it's like like that device there on the screen. And yeah, we use those. We have two of those in the van, and that's pretty pretty enough actually, isn't mm. it? They have huge capacity, um, and they can charge all our devices. If if it's rainy for a few days, we sometimes struggle, so we need to go somewhere and charge them up, maybe at like an internet cafe or a cafe or something. But for, mo for the most part, if it's not raining, we're able to survive with the, the solar. I mean, Japan's a pretty sunny country, so we get quite good solar energy with the van too. That is awesome. I, I'm very impressed by that because I think a lot of people are interested, even at home, um, if they can live off grid, like if it's possible yeah. and living in a van is like a, a mini house. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a nice way to live off grid and you guys have done it. So it looks like you had like a rechargeable battery system and then you added a different one after that was more efficient. Is that right? Yeah. So the one you can see there in the picture, that's from a brand called Jackery. So this one is good, and I think this is good if people are just doing sort of a weekend van trip. Um, this one takes eight hours to recharge if you plug it into a socket. Um, but we have another one now from a company called EcoFlow, and it takes one hour. So you, you plug it in, and it just takes about one hour to recharge to 100%, and that will last you for four days. So it's just so easy if you go to a cafe to charge up in one hour rather than sitting in a cafe for eight hours. Um, it's, yeah, it's, it's too long to stay in a cafe. Yeah. So. Yeah, they're, they're perfect. We're super it's, happy. It's kind of like I like I drive a electric car, so it's okay. it's kind of like the same idea, right? Like you have to kind of plan your itinerary around if you're gonna need a charge after a certain amount. I mean, that would be my dream someday to live out of a van, which is an electric car van and to have solar panels on the top powerful enough to recharge the van and all your devices but i think awesome. we are a little bit far away from that at the moment but hopefully in the next 10 years we might see that yeah 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 i mean electric cars are becoming more and more popular now mm. that'd be so cool to be able to charge your car with the solar wouldn't yeah it? yeah that would be yeah, really cool. Money too. Yeah. Gasoline, yeah. How how much have you been having to spend on gas? Are you driving every day or are you finding yourself in a nice location, maybe stay a few days? Um, how have the costs been, like the running costs along the way? So gasoline, we're spending, I mean, it depends how much we drive, obviously, like the more you drive and the more mountainous areas that you go to as well, you use more gasoline. But it's between sort of 200 so Niman to Sanman Yen, uh, so 200 US dollars to 300 US dollars per month on per gasoline. Month. Okay. Um, which, yeah, it's okay. Mm. Um, we don't drive every day. 
like we might drive a little bit, but we, if we like somewhere, we want to stay there for a while. And um, that's the best part about van life is that you can just stay somewhere if you end up in a beautiful campsite or a place with a beautiful view. So yeah, we definitely travel very slowly. Mm. Um, but that's, yeah, it's, yeah, the gasoline cost really depends on how much you drive. So yeah. And I noticed that you guys are also enjoying lots of local food. Uh, for example, you were eating this amazing looking tofu and sesame tofu. Yeah. And the biggest omelet I have ever seen in my <laughs> life. <laughs> it was huge. Yeah, that was such a great meal. Um, that's really one of the best parts about mm. traveling in Japan. Uh, as I'm sure people who live in Japan or like to travel in Japan know each prefecture has its own sort of unique cuisine and they use the ingredients that are local to that prefecture. And that's really one of the most enjoyable things I, for me about traveling in Japan is, is trying all the different local food. And also for you, I mean, some mm. of these dishes, even though you're Japanese, you've never seen them before or tried mm. them before. Yeah. Mm. That's great. And also, the, of course, in terms of sustainability, that's a really great way to support the local economy. Now, you guys have been to so many rural areas and you also visited a completely abandoned village. And this is why I think uh, van life or uh, traveling by car in Japan is actually a really important part of sustainable tourism because you can get to these areas which do not have access to public transportation. And a lot of these small towns are dying. So if you can get there, spend a few days, eat at the local eateries, you're really supporting the local economy. Plus it's fun for you guys to meet the local people, right? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's one of our favorite parts is driving down these mountainous roads that you think lead to nowhere and you find a little village where 10 people live or whatever and you know you can buy local vegetables from from them and a lot of these people actually live so sustainably they all they grow all their own food and pickle vegetables and it's it's incredible um like compared to like in scotland where i'm from like people just have like a lawn with some you know some flowers but in japan so many people grow vegetables um in the countryside which mm. is incredible and yeah, we love supporting the locals in these type of places. Yeah, that's one of the mountain roads there. <laughs> There's a good job our van is quite small because... Uh, it looks hard, yeah. Some of these roads are crazy, aren't they? Yeah. so many yeah, roads. Yeah. So windy and you think like, oh my goodness, I'm going to fall off the edge of this mountain here. But um, yeah, they're usually safe mm. so far. <laughs> have you had any little dents or accidents or have you been stranded and had to call Jaff or something? <laughs> We don't have, don't no, yeah, so we far, have so good. Knock so on wood. Knock on wood for you. I know it's probably going to happen today after this. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I don't want to jinx it. I don't want to jinx it. Uh, we've had some good comments. Uh, Peter said, did you encounter difficulties living in such a small space together? That's a great question. Oh, yeah. I mean, it is a very small van. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like if you compare to sort of a normal sized camper van. Um, yeah, it is. And also with, you know, the pandemic it's quite hard to go to cafes and work sometimes and um, so it has been really tough but we've just been able to like um you know we've made a different um table and bed now to make it a bit more spacious for working um but yeah overall i think it is okay and mm. sometimes you know you just need to go for a walk for one hour and have a little break from each other and it's fine but it is one of the challenges but i think um it's i prefer personally to do van life with someone rather than alone. Um, I like to experience the this van life with someone. So 
overall, it's better, I think, to do it with someone, uh, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, it looks like you have found yourself in such beautiful areas and have been able to kind of enjoy slow travel. It's not like a stressful, high-paced itinerary. And I think that certainly helps for the relationship of being in such a small space together. Plus, when you open the doors, you've got the whole world as your space, right? Yeah, exactly. It's so nice to have our house moving with us. If we want to have lunch here or just make a coffee mm. and enjoy the view, we have all the equipment just to do that. So that's one of the great things um, about it, yeah. Nice. Um, Molly says she bought an old Airstream in 2019. All she's done is gut it and reinforce the floor. How did you figure out the layout for your van? Good question. Yeah, so Shata, you were kind of in charge of the layout. What yeah, what do you mean? Like um, where to put the chair and the table. And oh, the design? How yeah. to design it? Yeah, that's, uh, I saw so many YouTube videos of the people's bands and then, all right, like we want to do like that and then just kind of copy, to be honest. Yeah. But yeah. you were you were building like all the drawers and the cabinets and all the wooden paneling. You guys did that all yourself, right? Yeah, yeah, and um, I guess the drawer was very challenging. The, the, the yeah. drawer, oh, we almost murdered each other. Those <laughs> drawers, oh, they were so difficult to make the drawers, but they're so useful. They're really yeah. like such a useful part of the van. But the process of making them was horrible. Um, so yeah, we just saw like what other people were doing and sort of then, oh, that looks like a good idea. Mm. That looks like a good idea. We'll try that. Pick we'll someone, try that. Yeah. And then because we had a really small space, we kind of yeah, we just sort of decided what to do where, and we've done a few changes since when we started like I mentioned to make it more um kind of efficient in terms of the space but um yeah I think like everyone wants different things like mm. so some people want a bathroom some people want a kitchen some people want um, a big bed so you need to choose you know what, what's the priority for your van and then design it accordingly for us it's a walking in the van so mm. able to walk is uh, most important no exactly mm. yeah so for us having like a set bed that is always here it wouldn't have worked because we need to have a desk and somewhere to eat and, and things like that whereas if you're just going for a weekend trip i guess it might not matter so much to have a, a table where you can work and use your laptop yeah i loved i love seeing your little shoe rack there <laughs> but i was like how do you limit yourself to just four shoes like how, <laughs> how you guys are going like between different climates and different areas too how do you minimalize like i know you have cupboards and everything but you guys are doing so well you have to just choose a core amount of clothing and shoes and stuff right how do you do it <laughs> um, yeah so we so we have this base camp which is shot as mum so we have so in Japan obviously there's like quite different weather between the winter and the summer and what we've realized is we need to just have summer wardrobe in the van or a winter wardrobe in the van it, it just takes up too much space to have everything and um, so what we do is we send all the winter clothes back to Shota's mum and she keeps everything in her house and then you know when it starts to get cold again we'll swap over mm. we'll go and pick up a big delivery from somewhere and swap over everything um, especially with the van this small that's the only way we can really do it if we had a bigger van and more storage we probably could keep all the clothes in there and the other storage areas but as you can see it's it's pretty small so mm. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, and I, I noticed you have, well, great kitchen setup. Have you found, um, you are eating at local places as well, but have you found you're eating more in the van or you're eating out more? Is it possible to eat all your meals in the van? Seems might like it'd be hard. Yeah, I mean, it is hard. Like the kitchen um, is not like a house. <laughs> we don't have a big oven or a lot of storage space for a lot of things in the fridge. But we really enjoy cooking and we actually like buying foods and vegetables from these rural areas and cooking them ourselves. We ask people, Shot is always asking like, oh, how do you cook this? How do you eat this? And then they'll say, oh, you know, just put some soy sauce with this and miso and cook it like this. And we like to try making these recipes as well. Um, so we, we cook a lot in the van. I'd say like 95% of yeah. the time we cook in the van. Um, we don't eat out so much. I think if um, the last year had been different, we might have eaten out a lot more, but um, we try and cook in the van as much as possible. And we have all the ingredients that we need to, to cook and we have a fridge as well. So yeah, it's, it's really fun actually cooking half in the van. Price. In Japan, always supermarket that has a half price, around <laughs> six or seven o'clock. So when we are very lazy, go to supermarket yeah. to get the half price. One <laughs> um, one thing which I I really am interested in is about waste. Like when you were doing your van tour, you had just the tiniest little garbage can. And I yeah. know from living in a house in Japan for many years that you have to sort the burnables and the recyclables and the non-recyclables, non-burnables. And usually trash takes up a lot of space in Japan. But if you were able to buy local vegetables, for example, uh, which had less packaging, that would help. Um, oh, no, we've lost you guys. Uh, yeah, anyway, asking about waste and waste management is my next question. If you guys have any other questions while they're trying to reconnect, please write them here and we'll try to fit them in when they come back. Um, recently in the conversation, we were talking about them visiting an abandoned town. So I could show photos of that. It was really interesting. They were in the Tohoku area and they found a town using Google Maps, which looked like it was completely abandoned. And so they went there and nobody's living there in the village anymore. And they walked around the village and it was really sad to see how people, you know, out of desperation or for whatever reason, couldn't live there anymore. And the town is completely abandoned. Are you are you back? Are We're you okay? Back. Yeah. Okay. So I was just talking about uh, watching your video about going to the abandoned town. And like I mentioned before, I think this is another good reason to encourage more like rent a cars for travelers or van life. Um, travel in Japan because you can access more rural areas and support local communities. But it looked like wandering through this abandoned town was it was it must have been a little bit creepy, like a haunted town, but also very sad that people used to live here, have thriving lives, and it's completely empty now. Can you tell us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, so there's there's um, so many abandoned towns in Japan, and it's predicted that there will be more. Um, this town was abandoned in 1985 
Um, and the reason this one was abandoned was because they were planning to build a dam. Um, so the people had to leave, but the dam never was, was, in, was never built. So it, they didn't actually have to leave in the end, but um, it is really sad to go. And a lot of the time, if you've ever watched um, other abandoned village videos, a lot of the belongings are still in the houses. Um, so when people move, they don't take a lot of their belongings with them. Um, so it's kind of, you can imagine how the people used to live there. Like when you see these belongings, you can see what, what they used to use in their daily life or what kind of appliances they used to have in their kitchen. So it is really sad and you can yeah, imagine children running around and people sort of attending to rice fields and things. Um, it's, it's always really sad to go to these mm. kind of places, but also so interesting at the same time to see these mm. old buildings and how life used to be in Japan. Yeah, there's actually a word for it, for this kind of travel, seeking out abandoned towns or, or buildings. Haikyo in J Japanese, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So it's, I mean, it, it has become kind of a hobby for some people, but um, it's sometimes dangerous, like if you're walking around abandoned buildings, but it looked like you guys were very safe and just walking around the outside. But isn't yeah. that, it's, it's like being an anthropologist. You can, you can study how people used to live. And that's crazy. People left so much stuff in the house, but you can imagine mm. you would, right? If you didn't know where you were moving to, maybe they had to fit everything in a van like you guys. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I know that this, this one video, we saw so there was like a washing machine uh, in the house. I was like, well, oh, that's such an extensive purchase. Like I would definitely bring my washing machine if I moved house. Um, yeah. But yeah, maybe the, maybe the government provided a new house with a new washing machine and they didn't need that one anymore. Perhaps it's, you, you make these stories in your mind about what you think might have happened, mm. um, which is always quite interesting. Yeah. Now, um, uh, Peter, was, uh, Brett was asking about how recently it became abandoned. So it was about 10 years ago, was it? 36 years ago, no? Yeah, 36. This one was 36 years ago. Oh. And then there's other ones we've been to that have been abandoned in like 1998 or 1995. Mm. Um, so each one is different and each one has different reasons to why it was abandoned also. Yeah. Really interesting. And it's like an important cultural study for a different part of history of Japan that we don't find in textbooks, that we don't see in media. So it is really nice that you guys are documenting it and talking about it. And people are thinking about what might happen if we don't support, you know, smaller villages around Japan. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's talk about your trip in starting. Did you start in Okinawa? It looks so beautiful. So we started the trip, um, so we started from Himeji in Hyogo Prefecture, where Shot is from. And we went to Awaji Island and then Shikoku. Um, so there's four prefectures there. So we went around Shikoku, then to Hokkaido. And we spent some time going um, around four months in Hokkaido. Mm. Then we went down to Kyushu um, and we traveled one prefecture there, Miyazaki Prefecture. Then it started to get so cold. Um, Van life in the winter in Japan is pretty tough, especially since we don't have a heater in our van. Uh, so at that time, we decided to go to Okinawa and we spent around three months in Okinawa and um, the tropical islands in the south of Japan. And yeah, now we're back in mm. mainland Japan and we're traveling the Chubu region, which is the central area of Japan. Um, so yeah, we'll spend the next few months here and then go north <laughs> for the summer. I mean, yeah. that's, that's the good thing about Japan, mm. it's quite a long country, so you can avoid the really hot and humid summer or the very cold winter by just sort of changing your location. So that's one benefit of van life in Japan. 
Yeah, that was the reason you guys wanted to push off in March so you would have good weather because, Ruth, you particularly hate the summer hot. Is that right? <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, growing up in Scotland, I mean, it's not known for its hot weather. So, yeah, I'm not really used to the heat and humidity. But, yeah, last summer we went to Hokkaido, which kind of is like a Scottish summer, actually. Mm -hmm. It's really nice. Mm. It's not so humid in Hokkaido. Um, so we managed to avoid that. But... Yeah, the summer, I'm not great with the heat and humidity, to be honest. And it's coming soon. It's coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got to start heading north. Um, I love all of the rural images that you show. Shota, you're doing really well with drone footage. Have you had any issues like using the drone in certain areas? Do you have to apply for permission? Yeah, area by honest, area? Uh, to fly drone is really tricky in Japan. And I have to uh, all the time confirm uh, the city hall where I can fly. I need the permission or like even like when I climb the uh, mountain, like on top of the mountain, I have to take a drone uh, footage applies. I need to apply. So like it's, it's difficult, but it makes uh, people more like imagination where we are, where we are traveling around. So. I think, and also I like flying drone, mm. like uh, uh, the sky view from the bird views. I love it. So, yeah, even uh, out of it's the shows, I want to do. Absolutely beautiful. So, like the images now, are they both from a drone? They they look like they might be. Yeah, the first one, that was, I think that was a recent one you took um, in Fukui Prefecture. Yeah. That, mm -hmm. that, that's definitely from a drone. And the second mm. one, is it also? No, the second one. Sunrise. Sunrise on the mountaintop. Sunrise, yeah. Yeah. That it looked really brutal, like very, very cold. Um, but you had some beautiful shots up above you guys. So I, I assume, unless you hired a bird, um, that that was a drone shot. So yeah, yeah. You, you, you love using the drone, yeah. yeah. So any chance that we can use it and we can get permission, we always, yeah, you always try to use mm. the drone, yeah. So complicated though in Japan. Mm. It is. I've, I've heard that, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever you ever done it? Because everything's on YouTube that you guys do. Have you ever had like a local area say you were using drone you're not supposed to or something? I hope not because you were promoting their area. Yeah, like, but I always called the office before and then some, some place, oh, you cannot fly drone. Okay, that case, okay, I don't fly. But after I fly mm -hmm. drone, I get trouble. It's nothing, you know. Yeah. yeah, we always get like, you get like a document in the post mm. that comes yeah. and says, okay, you have permission between this date and this date to fly the drone within this area and these coordinates and things like that. So Especially national yeah. park, yeah. National parks are, yeah, really mm. tricky in Japan. But usually you can get permission if you go through the mm. process. Mm. And you so, but that's all in Japanese, right? So Shota, mm. if somebody came to Japan and wanted to use a drone but didn't understand Japanese, it would be very difficult, right? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. 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 Even because there's no yeah. online, you have to all the time with a paper and you, or like a fax. <laughs> fax. Uh, we don't use a fax machine. Fax. Yes, of course, because uh, there are a lot of government offices still rely on the fax in Japan, right? Yeah, mm. yes. Yeah, we usually just print off the documents at a convenience mm. store and post it. That's oh. easier for us than going to use a fax. I don't even know how to use a fax machine, do you? <laughs> 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 to be honest, we still have a fax because we still have to communicate sometimes with businesses okay. that require fax. It's just ridiculous. It's, it's <laughs> crazy. 
it's like you say, can we send you an email or can we, you know, scan the document and send it by email? And they're like, can you just send a fax? Fax is easy. <laughs> okay, let's do it. <laughs> you know, we just hook it up when we have to do a fax. It's not, not too difficult, but it's crazy. Yeah, I guess if like, if people still use fax and it works for them, then yeah, that's great. But mm. I don't know, we just don't have any experience using one, so. <laughs> It's so funny. Well, to, let's hear about this hike that you guys did to go up and sleep on top of the mountain and to take these amazing photos of the sunrise. That sounds like quite an adventure. Yeah, yeah. So um, perhaps you've heard of the famous 100 Japanese mountains or Shakumezen. Um, so we heard about these last year and we we're like, oh, we've already actually climbed a few of them. So let's just try and work our way through the list as we travel around Japan. Um, so yeah, so we went on this hike um, like one month ago, approximately mm. a month ago or six weeks ago. Um, but yeah, it was uh, pretty tough. We hadn't done hiking for like six months. Uh, so it was yeah pretty hard in terms of like the fitness. I think we need to do a bit more training for the next one. But yeah, the views were amazing mm. and there was a little camp area near the top. So we camped there and then we, we woke up and watched the sunrise at the top of the mountain. Um, so it's always nice to do that because a lot of these mountains, a lot of people hike them. And if you go up during the day, there's quite a lot of people on the top. But if you're up there at the sunrise, you usually have the place to yourself. And obviously, if you want to fly the drone, it looks much better without lots of people there. So um, it's nice to go up mm. and see the sunrise. And you can sometimes see like a sea of clouds as well um, from the top of a lot of these mountains, which is a really nice thing to see too. So yeah. You had amazing weather, like perfectly clear. That's so lucky. Yeah, mm, yeah, we keep an eye on the weather when we're hiking. Um, yeah, I mean, hiking in the rain is just the worst. Mm. So we always try and make sure we have like two sunny days beside each other. We do a hike. Um, it's much more comfortable to hike in the nice weather, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now, Ruth, I really appreciated your article about uh, van life for women. Can you talk about some of the issues as a woman that you've kind of uh, been able to work out or deal with along the way? Uh, yeah, so... I think like, well, speaking to other women in Japan who maybe want to do van life or are thinking about doing van life, I think the main thing that people seem to be worried about is like hygiene or like toilets. Um, so actually there are like ways to get around this. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, there's toilets in so many different places in Japan. Um, it's really easy to find clean toilets if you go to like roadside stations or convenience stores. Rural areas and free campsites, you know, not so much. The toilets are sometimes a bit, <laughs> you know, not, not what you'd expect of like a Japanese toilet. People have these images of like all these fancy buttons and stuff. But um, showers are also really easy to come by. Onsens are everywhere in Japan. Um, some campsites have free showers. Some beaches have free showers. So it's actually really easy to have a shower every day and find clean toilets. Um, and, you know, you can, you know, you don't have to, sacrifice things you like you know like wearing fashionable clothes or makeup or whatever just because you live in a van if you want to continue doing that it's definitely possible um you just have to like pack minimally and bring what you really need to enjoy van life and continue living your life the way you want to live it that's great i i saw your advice about uh, don't expect to keep your nails up and wear <laughs> wear a hat so if you're not quite looking your best then give up on your nails wear a hat to cover your hair if it might not be perfect 
but you've still been using like a hair straightener. You gave up on your blow dryer, right? You know, it's and the thing about uh, your toiletries bag or like face yeah. cleaning and stuff, your advice I found really interesting to keep it in a normal bag instead of making it look like you're going to like you're sleeping nearby or something. Was that a safety issue to do it that way? Yeah, like um. I think now like, a lot of women want to do van life by themselves, you know, like solo van life has become a popular um, thing to do. So I think, yeah, obviously if you are doing solo van life, it is important to be safe. Like Japan is known as a really safe country, but I think no matter where you are, like you always need to keep your wits about you and have safety in the back of your mind. So yeah, by having all your like toothbrush and everything in a wash bag, it kind of looks quite obvious that maybe you're like staying in a van or staying in your vehicle. So if you have it in sort of a more normal normal looking bag, then that just reduces the, the risk, I guess. And mostly like locking the doors as well and having curtains that people can't see into the van. Um, there are lots of things you can do to make sure you stay safe as a female yeah. in van life, yeah. That is definitely one of the hugest selling points, I think, of traveling or living in Japan is the safety issue, which comes up yeah. over and over again. Um, and feeling more safe, even as a single woman walking around at night or sleeping in your van. You guys haven't had any issues parking and sleeping in the van or are you mostly using campsites? Yeah, we've never had any issues. Mm -hmm. um, our van's never been broken into. Um, Shota lost his wallet once and it was found one hour later at the local police station. Um, so, I mean, the reputation's true in terms of, of that. But uh, no, we've not had any issues at all. Mm. And What's your bear? Oh, bears. <laughs> and, uh, I guess the wildlife is probably the most dangerous thing you might encounter. Yeah. Did you bears. see any bears? Yeah, yeah, we did. <laughs> when we were in Hokkaido, we were driving and three bears decided <laughs> to cross the road <laughs> in front of us. Um, we were just so happy to see them from inside the car mm. um, because we had been hiking in Hokkaido and we definitely didn't want to encounter one at close close proximity on a hike. Um, but it was fine. Mm. Um, snakes, we've seen quite a lot of snakes, uh, like at campsites and things in very rural areas. I am not a fan of snakes. I'd rather see a bear than a snake, but you're okay with snakes. Mm. Yeah. A lot of them aren't so dangerous, mm. but yeah. Yeah. And you, you found some lovely spots, like in the picture here, you guys at the onsen, the ryotenburo, the hot bath outside together. I found that interesting, uh, Ruth, you were talking about taking your own basket for the onsen because you found the shampoo and other things not quite the highest quality usually. So you have refillable containers. Is that right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so actually many Japanese people, they take like a basket with them to the onsen with their own shampoos and face wash or whatever. So um, yeah, some places that you go won't have shampoo or conditioner or soap. So it's better just to always bring your own, especially if you go to sort of cheaper like uh, public bathhouses or like a shower, a free shower somewhere, they're not going to provide shampoo and conditioner. So it's, yeah, it's really easy just to have a basket and you can just bring it in with you and dry it off after you're finished and put it back in your van storage area somewhere. So yeah, uh, that's one of the things I love about onsen life in Japan is some of the maybe higher cost ones, they have really nice high quality shampoos and body soaps <laughs> and stuff. But some of the cheaper ones, it it even looks like a cleaning liquid. Like you really <laughs> don't want to, you do not want to use that one. <laughs> yeah, it kind of looks like the kind of bulk ones mm. you buy from like, I don't know, like Costco or somewhere, you know, like these like probably like 10 liter and they just kind of refill it. Um, 
yeah, we don't really like them mm. at all. Like, just makes our hair feel like greasy and not very. Yeah, doesn't really feel like clean. So we just like to use our own. It's yeah. easy to do. So. Uh, let's. I think we were talking about waste management when yeah. you guys uh, your feed cut off. Uh, could we talk about that a little bit? And you also have a big container of water. So about using the reusable and the refillable water. Has that been an issue at all about waste or water? Um, no. So we um, yeah we have a big water tank in the van, and we usually try to go to like spring water sources um, to get like drinking water from the water spring. And um, so we, we've been actually like really enjoying doing that recently, like trying to find new places. And <laughs> Japan's like number two best spring water, and like there's kind of like a ranking of all these different waters that you can pick up. So. Mm. Um, yeah, so it's really easy to, to do that. Um, and in terms of waste, yeah, we have a really small bin, like you mentioned uh, earlier. So we, we don't really use, like we try to avoid buying food that has a lot of plastic packaging. Um, it's quite hard in Japan. A lot of things are so covered hard. in plastic, especially fruit and vegetables. Uh, but we try our best, like if we go to you know, like these roadside stalls, sometimes you can find in rural Japan um, where local farmers will sell their goods. So a lot of the time those ones might have less plastic so if we see that kind of setup we try and buy a lot of local veg from there and avoid using plastic and I mean, all the plastic packaging takes up so much room in our mm. van as well so and it's just it's like annoying to get rid of the rubbish so we just really try to avoid plastic and obviously it's so terrible for the environment and all this stuff and we, yeah basically we just don't want to have plastic in the van if we can so it's so hard to avoid, but I love those roadside stalls. Often yeah. they don't have any staff there. They're honesty shops, right? They're amazing. And you just get your local fruit or vegetables and you put your coin in the box. Totally on the honor system. Another wonderful thing about Safe Japan, right? Yeah, mm. we love doing that. We just stock up when we see those kind of places. And... A lot of the time they're like chemical free as well mm. or pesticide free, which is, is great. Have you ever found vegetables or fruit that you're like, what the heck is that? And you got to ask some locals. Yeah. Remember mm. in Miyazaki, you found Oh yeah, them? like a gobo, long one, no? Very, very long, like <laughs> one meter, like a long, like a potato and stuff, no? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. In the yeah. Take some, take some doing, but that's when social media is so useful because I get mm -hmm. like a monthly box selection box from a local organic farm. And sometimes it comes and I'm like, what the heck is that? Like, how do I cook that? What is that? <laughs> and I post a picture on Twitter or social media. And usually somebody knows exactly what it is and they can give me some recipe ideas. So I love that about social media. <laughs> mm. yeah you often ask like a lot yeah. of people on instagram, instagram too yeah. and they always send like these amazing recipes and then we're like oh we have to go back and buy more because we have like five different recipes for this vegetable now to try mm. <laughs> so <laughs> what has been your your staple of sauces or things that you must have for cooking so i would imagine salt vegetable oil but when I saw your video about your your shelf where you were going to have these things, condiments, you were also discussing whether you're going to have mustard or not. <laughs> 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 so what is your condiment and cooking like restock area? What does it look like? What do you have in there? We actually have loads. Mm, like we just so love, many. we have a love cooking. So we have like one that we use like every day, which is um, like soy sauce. Have hot sauce, um, salt and pepper. Then there's like salt, mayonnaise, mayonnaise okonomiyaki sauce. We eat okonomiyaki quite a lot. Um, what else? Sesame dressing sesame for salad. Dressing, yeah. 
And then we have sesame oil Mm. and normal cooking oil, olive oil. And then we have like another box, which is like, yeah, mirin, cooking sake. So many. um, Yeah, Mm. sushi vinegar, rice vinegar, um, yeah, sugar. (laughs) We, we, We cook pretty much what you might cook in a house. We love cooking. So we try our best to cook healthy food and yeah, eat, eat like we would as if we lived in a house. So. That's awesome. Are you making rice? Like, do you have a rice cooker as well? So we, we use with a pot, no? We make it with a yeah, pot. Yeah, with a pot. pot. Right, every morning. <laughs> so every morning you're having like Japanese style breakfast with rice and miso soup or something? Sometimes like avocado with a toast, no? Sometimes or avocado you know. with toast. Sometimes like porridge. I make porridge, but you really don't like porridge. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, no, I'll have rice. Um, yeah, and then we have like umeboshi, like pickled plum, natto. Mm. And you have sometimes a fried egg with your yeah. rice. Um, yes, we usually try and eat Japanese food just because it's so easy to get. Like everywhere in Japan, if I'm trying to like eat what I might eat at home in Scotland, it's mm. impossible to buy all those things in like rural Japan and little like family supermarkets. So just embrace the Japanese. Yeah. yeah, that's awesome. And you're traveling rural areas, so you should be able to get a lot of great rice and local veg to use. Um, there was something I thought that was so funny in one of your essential things that you wanted in your cabinet was a toaster, a sandwich toaster. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> so have you been eating a lot of sandwiches? Is that your go-to lunch? Yeah, well, they're so easy to make. Mm, it's really one of the one. best meals because no there's dishes. no dishes. <laughs> like, that is the, the key. Like, you really don't want dishes when you live in the van because it's so annoying to go and wash them. So... We eat a lot of like mm. oh, yeah toast uh, avocado toast or like natto toast mm. um fermented soybeans so yeah some people think that's horrible this but, was summer, no? yeah this was like a mackerel sandwich we made and wow. yeah you can put anything in those sandwiches just whatever you have really <laughs> do you fish or go to like local fishmongers or buy fish or local products as well as the supermarkets both, no? Um, like sometimes yeah. I try to do the fishing and then sometimes go to the, like a local fish market and then buy some fish. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. 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 Mm. yeah. That's really not living, living sustainably. So how long have you been doing it? How many months have you been on the road? So we um, started the van conversion January 2020 and then we left in March 2020. Um, so since March last year, pretty much, um, but it's been kind of on and off with the pandemic. We've had to stop a few times. Uh, we've been in prefectures that have had state of emergencies. So we've had to stay there for longer than we might have originally uh, planned. But, um, yeah, we're, yeah, it's not, we've not traveled as fast as we've wanted to because of the pandemic, but we've managed to still go to lots of interesting places and yeah, we still have quite a lot of prefectures still to go to, but Mm. Um, now we're on mainland Japan, it'll be easier. We've went, we've already been to a lot of far away and rural places like Okinawa. It's quite time consuming to travel because you need to take ferries, and Hokkaido is also quite a big part of Japan, so it took a while to get around. But now we're on sort of mainland Japan, it should be faster to wow, get around good. and cover well, more prefectures. If you come, if you come near Hiroshima, let me know. I'd love to just have a coffee yeah. with you or or take photos as you drive by. Whatever works. <laughs> yeah definitely yeah we'll definitely we've not been to Hiroshima yet so it's yeah well we're going to all prefectures so we'll definitely mm. be there at some point wonderful let me know uh we have about six more minutes I think a lot of people might be wondering 
if you're feeling tired. Like often when you do these long travels away from like a permanent house or any kind of normal base, do you do you get kind of burnt out of the van life? How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, it's, um, to be honest, I think not really of the van life. I think mm. it's more like of this pandemic, to mm. be honest, just because we end up like, we have this goal that we want to finish getting around Japan and then we get like stuck again, like somewhere for three months um, or whatever. So um, that kind of is demotivating sometimes. But now, like we've kind of got this goal that we want to finish going around Japan. So we're just sort of working towards that. Like we're not going to live in the van forever. Um, we're just, yeah, after, like we'll always probably have a camper van, but after this, we'd like to sort of stay in one place. Mm. So it's kind of just like we have this goal and kind of plodding towards <laughs> the end of it. So, yeah. Well, Shota, you've been all over the world. Uh, are you okay to settle in Japan after this? Are you guys looking to a different country? No, I don't think I settle in Japan. Like, uh, like I like to be all the time moving around and I don't want to, um, for me, I don't like so much, like stay one, you have to stay one place. I always want to have a, like some place to go back even uh, Scotland, Japan, and all around the world. So, yeah, I would like to have uh, like uh, one house in Japan, but all the time moving around, I guess, my, in my future, I can see now mm. or imagine. Yeah. Well, we have a few home bases in different, yeah. in different places. That's great. And the more you travel, the more people you meet, the more people that will offer a place for you to come and stay anywhere in the world, right? But I, I really appreciate what you guys are doing, and especially Shota as a Japanese person who loves to travel and loves meeting new people and doing new experiences. I think in the last 10 years, we've seen a lot of young people in Japan kind of lose interest in going abroad or lose interest in even studying English because they're just kind of more focused on Japan. But... I think you seem to find so much freedom and happiness from traveling and meeting other people. So it's so wonderful that you guys are able to have this adventure and share it and connect with other Japanese people watching as well as international people watching because you guys are doing everything bilingually. It's so <laughs> impressive. <laughs> yeah, so the English subtitles are on all the videos, yeah. But, yeah, you love traveling. and. Like, like, yeah, going out, like different countries and yeah. experiencing different cultures, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, for example, I don't have uh, any friends who like travel, like in Japan. <laughs> like all my friends, hey, let's go to somewhere in the world. Oh, no, I don't want to go, no, <laughs> interesting. Like, like most of my generation, my age, it's, I don't know why, but very different. I think it's, it's scary, right? Before you do it, it just looks, it looks too difficult. But because mm -hmm. you're doing it and you're sharing it and you're communicating with people who have questions, I think you're encouraging a lot of people. It's great. Mm -hmm. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. hopefully, yeah. Uh, yeah, people have that as a dream. It would be nice to yeah. know that we're helping them work towards their dream and not be scared. Yeah. Yeah. And how long does it take to process all the videos? Because you're doing it to such a high quality. You're doing yeah, yeah. <laughs> How long does it take you? Uh, it really depends on the video. Easy one, four hours. Uh, difficult one, maybe like one, uh, one day and a half sometimes. So it really depends. A lot of drone footage is quite difficult. Uh, yeah. 
no mm, yeah mm. we try and have like dedicated sort of like editing and work days and then dedicated days for travel so mm. and, yeah it does take time yeah yeah i guess yeah editing is unlimited so <laughs> yeah yeah you could spend hours and hours to add yeah. special effects or something right mm. yeah are you guys getting any sponsorship do you get any funding from people? Are you receiving some money from YouTube or getting donations along the way? Um, Is so it we self-funded? Um, mm. Yeah, so we, we um, do the YouTube videos and then by publishing content on YouTube, we get AdSense revenue through Google. Um, so that mostly funds our trip. And then we sometimes do collaborations with companies. We worked with Nissan Japan last year and we were featured in like a commercial for them um, about van life and there's like a few other companies we've worked with along the way but yeah no one's really like funding us and um, this was something that we wanted to do and we want to do it on our own terms so we'd rather yeah like we want we don't want to kind of have to go to someone else's schedule or what they want us to do yeah i understand that and i think you know with funding quite often comes strings right yeah. so if, if you get a big funding from a corporate sponsor then they might want you to do it a different way which maybe you don't want to do so yeah. you know having youtube funding though that really helps and then i noticed on your website um you have amazon links to a lot of the products that you're using so yeah. hopefully you can get some kickback if people buy it through your website as well right yeah, exactly. Yeah, so that that there's also some income from that, but and YouTube's definitely the main the main one. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for joining on the road, and good luck with the rest of your trip. Maybe so if you're much. if you're still going in about six months, maybe we can do a follow up chat. <laughs> yeah, sure. yeah, definitely. We'd love to do that. Uh, we have a good question at the end. It squeaked right in there, Pablo. Uh, he says, Ruth, what would you tell someone who wants to convert a band? Where do you start? Good question. Where do you start? Okay, so <laughs> mm, so I like my always my first piece of advice is like if you haven't tried band life before doing the big investment, perhaps rent one for a week or a weekend just to see if you like it. Mm. Because actually a lot of people they try it and then maybe they don't like it it's too small or whatever so that's like one piece of advice and um, but if you're dead set on just doing the conversion um yeah i think just go for it like watch a lot of youtube videos and uh, see what type of van that you might want to buy there's obviously like all these different brands of van and sizes of van if you can stand up in the van or not um yeah choose the, the type of van that you want and then just yeah make a, a design based on what you see on youtube and what you like from other people's hands that would be my best piece of advice <laughs> that's a really good tip and actually next week we are talking with jared campion who he is a co-founder of a business called Dream Drive in Japan. And they are renovating vans into camper vans that people can rent and take on travels around Japan. So it'd be great to see you guys get sponsored by them. I'll mention it to him. <laughs> yeah, I saw, I saw the lesson you did with him actually. It was so interesting to see what he's doing. Um, and the camper vans look amazing that he's, he's made. Um, the interiors are incredible. So it'd be cool to and, meet someday. Yeah, awesome. And last time I talked to him, he said they have their eyes on a, a big Tesla Cybertruck. Oh, and they're cool. going to try to renovate. I don't know if that's real or not, but I want to ask him again tomorrow. So that's yeah. very exciting. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Yeah. <laughs> well, good luck to you guys. And thank yeah, you so thank much you for so much. joining. That was awesome. Thanks. Have a great day. Bye. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>
I hope you enjoyed the episode today. If you want to learn more about the work that I do, have a look at inboundambassador.com. You can also sponsor the work that I'm doing on the YouTube channel, Patreon, buy me a coffee, coffee or haps. Have a great day.